Welcome to Divine Messy Human. I am your host, Amanda Kate, a self-mastery facilitator who flips the paradigms of what it truly means to be a master of self. This podcast is for those wanting to move to center stage in their lives, find their divinely sovereign self, and break free from societal conditioning and programming that enslaves us. To truly embrace self-mastery, we need to have compassion for all that we are, connected to the divine, messy as F, and uniquely human. This is a space where we learn radical self-love and acceptance, remembering who we are as true beings of light. I am here to lead you as you explore the freedom and abundance that self-mastery leads to when we choose consciously and deliberately in our daily life. Each week we will cover topics from the following areas, our body and physiology, energy systems, subconscious programming, parts and inner child work, our intuition, divine connection and quantum ascension. I am so excited to have you on this journey with me. Listen in, get a cuppa, and enjoy. Welcome back to Divine Messy Human. Today I have a very special guest with you. It is Indra Share, and she is the CEO and founder of Mind Your Health Solutions. She has more pieces of paper than me. (laughs) She is a naturopath, transformational coach, NLP master practitioner, AIP coach, hypnotist, GAPS coach, kinesiologist, kitchen witch, and international best-selling author. She has so many strings to her bow. It is incredible. So I will post her full bio beneath in the show notes so you can tune in there and find all of her links. But in summary, Indra is a former perfectionist in recovery with a master's in self-criticism. Constant replaying of traumas and self-criticism fueled her high-functioning anxiety, gnawing away at her health. She crashed and crashed hard. She learned how to draw on her own strength and healed herself from adrenal fatigue, anxiety and autoimmune. So she knows what it takes to get well again. Indra's mission is to take the best from her own health experience, university training, clinical research, decades in clinical private practice and coaching clients to provide you with mind, body and spirit healings. It feels so good to feel good and she wants every single person to experience it too. Her intention is to empower you in all areas of your life, your health, mind and body to step up and to help you fall head over heels back in love with your favorite version of you. In her rest time, she spends most of her time swimming, bushwalking and cooking with her soulmate of 30 years and multiple lifetimes and her fur babies. Tune into this conversation. You will not want to miss it. I absolutely love this human being. She is so special to me and I'm sure after listening, she'll be special to you too. Thank you so much uh, for rejoining us at Divine Messy Human, the podcast. Today, I have my gorgeous friend and naturopath, Indra Share with me. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I am too, because it's your first podcast. So I get to be your podcast, yes. virgin experience, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for being my first. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So talk a little bit about the journey that led you into naturopathy, because I know, I mean, as with all of us who end up in alternative health and natural therapies and all of those, it tends not to be a very linear journey and it's not always the easiest path we could have walked. So how did you find naturopathy? Um, wow, I, I guess... For me, I, I kind of look, I've done so many different jobs. And at the time when when I kind of went into naturopathy, I was a chef and I was doing the very chef lifestyle, the crazy hours, the partying hard, the kind of being up when everyone else is in bed, all of that kind of stuff. And as often happens in that kind of world, I ended up with glandular fever, toxoplasmosis and a few other things. And and now, kind of in retrospect, I, I kind of realized that I had completely burnt out and hit that adrenal kind of crash. But 
back then I was just like, why am I so tired? Like best I have 20 coffees and get on with it. So at that time I, I was looking for something to, to kind of make me feel better really. Um, I lived near uh, Victoria Street in Richmond. And for those that don't know that, there's a lot of Chinese medicine kind of community there. And um, one day just kind of walked into one of the shops and was made um, a little disgusting herbal <laughs> kind of remedy. <laughs> and it, it kind of got my interest up because I was one of those kids that grew up kind of making potions and lotions and and you know picking millions of things from the garden and and I already had a kind of interest in it and this was back in the 70s so I used to kind of make up the herbal potions and things like that and just never knew that it was something that could be a viable kind of um, uh, thing to do for a living so after all of that I kind of put that to the side and and then I guess went into the cooking which in a funny way, I mean, it's just a, a kitchen witch rather than a garden <laughs> witch at that point. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so when I kind of took all these herbs from the Chinese guy, I thought, well, I think I feel a little bit better. Um, started getting out all of my old books on nutrition and then really kind of started thinking, okay, nutrition is where it's at because it's a lot of big jump from, from being a chef to a nutritionist and I enrolled in uni to be a nutritionist. And then within about three months realised, um, because it was a college that offered nutrition and nephropathy, um, within that three-month period just kind of went, but the herbs, the herbs. <laughs> and so switched over from, um, from that major to the other major. So, um, and then ended up kind of about halfway through it. So I, I shipped full-time and studied full-time, which wasn't great for my adrenals either, but you know learn the lessons the hard way it should be my middle name um and then I uh ended up kind of going and working in health food stores um to to work the rest of my way through uni ended up in private practice by 2006 and I've been in private practice ever since so um yeah that that's my journey to be a naturopath excellent and what do you think sort of you know, you mentioned the herbs and I can, I can certainly attest to that. I used to love like getting the bowls and putting all the flowers and sticks yeah. and dirt <laughs> from the garden in. And to be honest, probably they don't taste too dissimilar from some of the herbs <laughs> I've had over the years. Well, I know you've had a few of my bottles of herbs and, um, uh, you know, these days whenever I see a patient, I would say, have you had herbs before? And most of the time they'll say no. And I'm like, great, they're disgusting, but they <laughs> work really well. <laughs> and they do and it does <laughs> it's funny actually because um I've just got some herbs from my acupuncturist and and my partner comes in and he's like oh that stuff again and I'm like yeah but it works it helps you feel better so you know yeah. and you without the, the side effects one or the the big boil up your stuff oh no I've got the powder um and I had some little capsules so you know, yeah okay. it's all good yeah. it's all good you get used to it and actually you know from when I first started to now I don't think they taste as bad as they used to because yeah. you kind of get used to it Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> what has kept you I guess in love with naturopathy because I know you've taken your work a lot further mm. but you know we we're human we get bored with things um so what's actually kept your interest in it and kept you going um, it's interesting you use the word bored because I, I am someone who gets bored. Uh, I don't think I could ever get bored with naturopathy because mm -hmm. the big thing there, and look, when I say naturopathy, I, I guess I'm using that word loosely because these days I, I do so many different modalities uh, as well as naturopathy. Um, every single person I see is different. And so it's very different to that Western model where, you, you know, if you've got hypertension, everybody gets one of two tablets, whereas if I've got a patient with hypertension, why the hypertension? Why this person? Why now? And so every single person is is a, a puzzle to be solved. And some people have complex puzzles. <laughs> and, and it certainly kind of keeps my my interest peaked and my brain kind of active and, and navigating kind of what's going on for that person. So I don't think it's possible to ever get bored because it's not so much that it's naturopathy, it's interacting with different people on different levels and, and solving those puzzles. So, yeah, that's that's definitely what's kind of kept my interest. And, and also, I just love it. 
<laughs> the bottom line is I just love it. I, I love the herbs. I love the nutrition. I love all of the traditional stuff. I love all of the new science that's coming out. Um, and I am a real science nerd. So as much as I'm a kind of spiritual nerd, I'm a science nerd as well. And so I kind of always am, am straddling those worlds and marrying them together. And it's this there's no opportunity for, for boredom. I, I actually think this is something that I'll do with great joy and commitment for the rest of my life because it's just, it's wonderful. It's just such a wonderful job. And, and I really do feel blessed that, that I have this in my life and that it's something I can share with my patients. Yeah. Oh, look, and, and it's interesting because I feel the same way with the modalities I use. It's going, it's, not a closed loop system you know when you look at that medical model it's why do i have diabetes because you've got these symptoms or why do i have these symptoms because you've got diabetes and it's this little closed loop or you know i could name any other disease it's yeah. pretty much that same thing whereas what i love about the alternative health which i think is kind of perhaps not the right word for it but we'll use it because that's the you know the the way that it's seen out there is that people are wanting to know, as you said, why have they got it? What's going on for them? What's underlying it? Why did it start? Why now? Yeah. Rather than just, well, disease, symptoms, symptoms, disease, and keeping it in that. So, yeah, I love the puzzle too. It's like being a little detective all the time. So. <laughs> I think it's also, it's such a beautiful gift to be able to, to hand someone back their power because Often when we're not feeling well, and, and it, it doesn't matter whether it's an actual disease state or if we're just feeling kind of off our path or or kind of fatigued or just something's not right. Like often I'll have people come in and go, oh, my tests are fantastic, but I feel terrible. And so when you're in that space, there's always going to be an answer. Something will always make you feel better. And that is one thing that I, I can always kind of guarantee that I can always take where you are here and put you over here feeling better. Will we always solve a disease? Not always, but we will always make you better. Mm -hmm. And so handing that power back over to people is so important because I unfortunately think, and this is not about doctor bashing because I think they do an absolutely amazing job. And if you blow out your knee, I'm not going to do surgery on your knee, right? So we, we kind of, you know, we're very grateful for the doctors and what they do. But I also think that it can be a little disempowering when people go into a doctor's office and, and spend that kind of seven or eight minutes with them. And uh, I, I do think there's a bit of medical gaslighting that goes on. And I think it's because they don't have time or the tools. Um, I have a lot of patients in things like menopause, but they go in and the doctor just goes, there's nothing wrong with you. Your blood tests are fine. Maybe you need an antidepressant. That just takes away the power. And so speaking from someone who is firmly in menopause, <laughs> oh, my God, <laughs> it's something that, that you need to feel empowered in because society and so many things around that menopausal picture is chipping away at you and who you are and, and all the rest of that kind of stuff. So it's, and I'm getting a bit off tangent there, but it, it really, for me, it's as much about helping to heal someone, make them feel better, but also to hand them their power back over so that I don't, I don't want to be in a space where I'm kind of seeing that person for 20 years. Like you want to kind of go, you know what? Like, sure, we're a little bit off kilter here. This is a reminder that this is what we do for, for diet. This is what we do for lifestyle. This is how we manage our stress. And you kind of hand that power back over to that person so then they can decide where they need to be and how they want to feel. And, yeah. and I think that's probably predominantly the most important thing about all of these alternatives. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm kind of smiling because I don't usually use the word alternative because I guess for me it's not an alternative way of um, treating, but it, um, it sounds a little bit weird, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. And, again, I, it's not a word that I, I tend to use either, but it's the way it's known out there, which is... Yeah. For me, it feels really strange, although that was my life for so much of the time. And I completely understand what you mean about, you know, having the hormonal issues and going in to see somebody and getting a prescription for antidepressants. And I'm like, hang on, this just, and that was what started me down the natural therapies road, because I was like, surely this can't be it. And there's yeah, got to be yeah. another answer. Well, and I had something similar happen to me when I was younger. I, I used to get crippling stomach pain and this is kind of uh, would have been in my 20s I think my kind of maybe even just before but 
um, I mean, crippling, crippling stomach aches where I would get so much pain from these stomach aches that I'd, I'd like sweat under here and I'd be like, what's going on? And um, this is back in St Kilda in the, the kind of late 90s, 2000s. And I would go to the GP and say, oh, my God, like I've got this pain. And literally they would hand me over opiate prescriptions. I think that's probably a reflection of St Kilda in the, the kind of, you know, 2000s. And, and I'd be like, oh, my God, like this is making me feel worse because it's constipating me on top of the stomach thing and it's not taking away the pain. And I'd go back in and go, oh, you know, that's not working. They're like, oh, we'll give you something stronger. And it was just bonkers. And so, of course, it didn't work, so I stopped taking it. And then it wasn't until I was at uni studying to be a naturopath and I was doing an assignment and I was like, oh, a celiac and never once had any doctor offered to test me listen to what I was going through and as soon as I did this assignment I went off and got tested and oh yeah was I a celiac I was a raging celiac and so I spent all these years completely destroying my stomach and, and creating this massive inflammation in my system and um just being offered you know, opiates to deal with it. So, and look, it was during a time where where there wasn't as much kind of knowledge around gluten and, and celiacs and things like that. But um, just as an example of doctors kind of going, oh, what's my toolkit? I've got like about five quick medications. I'll just give them that because it's easier than sitting down and kind of going through it systematically. And again, there are some very good doctors. I've got a very good doctor. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think that's, you know, what we were talking about before we started recording. There are amazing people in pretty much every profession. Yes. And there are also less than amazing people in pretty much every profession. And it's finding those people that you resonate with that will listen to you and that you can connect with on multiple levels so that you actually feel like you're being seen and heard and, mm-hmm. you know, that you've got a path forward. And I love that you talk mm-hmm. about empowering your clients because that for me is the biggest difference is is allowing them to have the tools and it is it's a go fly and come see me when you know when you're ready for either the next evolution or that next step up or whatever it is it becomes a bit more of a as and when rather than you need to see me every fortnight for the rest of your life or whatever it is well that's right that's right and and look i think too People have different needs, mm. and and certainly my patients do. I have a very very varied um, selection of patients, and some of them are there for for kind of you know working on one specific program or program programs are funny word now problem I should say, um, and it, it's it's kind of like from here to here and done. Um, there are some people that that come to me for more energetic work and kind of counselling mm. work and things like that, and so. I understand that they are accessing me a little bit kind of longer, I guess would be the thing. And it's not that they're not sitting in a space of power because as they kind of learn and do this work, they are able to kind of empower themselves in many different areas within their life. But it does boil down to to what what the need is. Mm. And I think the more that we kind of sit in and connect with what we need and work through that the more we're going to kind of lift our our kind of vibration and then we will connect with the people we need to take that next journey I kind of often think too like sometimes you you might see someone for a little while and and then they just don't resonate with you anymore Mm -hmm. because you've done that work that needs to be done or you know sometimes I've seen patients and I might see them once or twice and then they don't come and you think gosh what did I do and a funny story, I had a, a woman come in once a um, long time ago and she said, oh, you saw my husband three years ago. And and I said, oh, great. No memory. No memory <laughs> of this person at all. And I, I, I just kind of went, oh, yes, he was lovely. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't know. And she goes, you changed his life. You absolutely saved his life. He was absolutely like he was heading towards a heart attack. He was overweight. He was stressed, all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, whoop on me and <laughs> I looked him up after she left he came once wow once to see me and and I had just thought oh well he didn't connect that's fine but unbeknownst to me this guy had gone off in his merry way and every single thing I had told him he put into play 
and she was telling me he'd be at, at you know barbecues like two years later and everyone's like oh my god you look amazing he goes oh this naturopath I saw and that was a really good lesson for me because I thought well yeah sometimes my job our job is is just to plant that seed and to give that little bit of kind of energetic push to somebody and then they can take it from there and so rather than kind of going oh okay well you know it didn't land he didn't like what I had to say um quite the opposite and so again really really good lesson for me to remember that that sometimes along a person's healing journey it really is just a small little input that we need to kind of do for very profound change and because I'm like I'm a, a I'm a big doer, shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I'm kind of like I, I'm wanting to do the big things and see the big changes and all that kind of stuff. So it's always a kind of really nice, humbling reminder for me when I can see that it's actually just some small stuff that is very life changing for someone. Yeah, it, it's so it kind of reminds you why you got into the work in the first place. I think when you get to hear those stories when, and again, the human in you is going, Oh, I mustn't have done a good job. And we second guess or we doubt. And then we hear, I had a client do the same thing. They disappeared, came for two sessions, canceled the third. And then 18 months later, rocked up back in my clinic and went, Oh my God, my whole life changed. That's why I didn't need the third session. And I'm like, there was me going through that. Oh, I'm not good enough. (laughs) The natural stories that come up. It's quite right. And I mean, look, that's where it it can be. And look, I can only speak for myself. Like Mm -hmm. it it can be a challenge to separate out all of your stuff (laughs) from somebody else's stuff. And, and look, you know, I am somebody who, who's been been, mm, a perfectionist (laughs) (laughs) recovering that's why I always say recovering (laughs) you know I thought I was recovering but I went to a seminar recently and um there was a like a science-based questionnaire for for burnout and and I've been a little bit tired and I thought well maybe I'm a bit burnt out again and I did the questionnaire and which I passed with flying colors and I was like oh look at me and then there was a perfectionism questionnaire. And I was like, oh, please, I've worked through that. Oh, God, I got like 90%. And I was like, holy Cluedo, I've got to do a bit more work there again. <laughs> and it actually did take me back. And I thought, yeah, okay. Like I I am somebody who grew up with a very low self-esteem, you know, tying myself up in knots with being a perfectionist. And I guess your story is always your story you just work through it and get more tools to kind of deal with it but then things will come up and trigger you where you'll kind of fall back into that story again and so um for me I've got to always kind of watch that I'm not falling back into that that kind of low self-esteem perfectionism kind of type piece and that's where my ego can be fragile where I'm like how come that patient didn't come back in or you know anything like that and in reality it's got nothing to do with with me from mm. that point of view. Um, yeah, so so separating out my stuff from their mm. stuff and always reminding myself that I'm not having to sit in the space of being responsible for my patients. I facilitate their own responsibility is the other thing that that I need to kind of say to myself when I'm falling back into that that perfectionism piece. And what a marvellous thing to be able to do for someone where we're going, I'm facilitating your own self-responsibility because that's where your growth is going to be. Mm, And that's why I changed my title to facilitator because facilitate actually means to render easy. And what we are doing is giving them the tools and we simplify them as much as possible because we're the ones with, I guess, that that knowledge that they're seeking. So how do I make that accessible and, and implementable for my clients so it doesn't feel like more stress because let's face it most of our clients are coming to us because they're stressed and we don't want to add stress to their life so how do i simplify that and give it to you in bite-sized chunks that you can then take away and implement and i love what you talk about there's a couple of things that i guess come to mind one is that i always suggest to people before they go and see anybody that those people are doing their own work because as you say us delineating what's mine what's my clients and and leaving our stuff as far away from the session as we can yeah. 
whilst bringing in, because we learn through stories and we're metaphorical creatures, so we will bring in the stories that are needed to illustrate points for them, but leaving our stuff to one side and also not creating that codependent relationship where it's, I will fix you. It's not about that. It's, I will give you the tools so that you are empowered enough to go and walk your journey. Because let's face it, we're not going to be there 24-7. They're going to have to navigate life without us. And I also kind of try to avoid that that concept of fixing because when we're kind of, um, when someone comes to see me and they're sitting in that space of, of needing to be fixed, it's kind of on some level saying that they're broken. And I I like to avoid that kind of languaging because mm. really it's 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 more like let's, let's kind of work through some stuff and take on some tools so that you're your favorite version of yourself and which is something that I actually do say and it's something that's on my website as well it's kind of all all about trying to make you fall back in love with yourself make you be your best version of you make you be your favorite version of you all of those sorts of things because if we go around kind of shouldering that concept of needing to be fixed all the time then we're already starting from a really kind of negative space and the amount of, of energy that it takes to kind of take us up back up to that yeah. even just plateau before we can then get some healing is is not great and if we think about it the body is always listening in on what the brain is saying so even if we're sitting there thinking things in a negative way and having a negative self-talk it's going to hurt the body. Like it just literally is going to hurt the body. And and whether you believe in energy or not, which I do, um, just from a science point of view, if we're thinking about things like the amygdala, which is that part of the brain, which is the lizard brain, fight or flight, if we're having negative thoughts and feelings all the time so that our body thinks there's something bad happening, then we're going to be in that space of kind of reactivity, anger, sadness, all of those negative thoughts and feelings. And those thoughts and feelings can actually trigger the amygdala to put us more into a sense of fight or flight. And when we're in fight or flight, poor reproductive health, no immune system, or muscle tone, oh, muscle tone, I probably shouldn't say that, but more like um, all of the kind of uh, adrenaline going to the big muscles and robbing the microcirculation and all of that kind of stuff. So there's just so many things that come with that state of amygdala and probably one of the most important to remember is it's going to knock out your prefrontal cortex. And so our higher brain function or kind of complex thoughts, feelings is going to go. And so we're kind of always warring that that fight or flight and rest and digest and a lot of this is going to be shaped by our own thoughts because the world is stressful now there's a lot going on there's a lot going on in our lives like I always kind of say the relentless admin of life that I have to do these days and if I'm not careful with my languaging in my own brain then I do push myself into that fight or flight kind of space really quite easily because I'm a bit primed for it (laughs) and I think most of us are because of the way we've grown up and the society we've grown up in I'm extremely conscious of language and new new ideas on language I was talking to you before you know I'm changing from gratitude to appreciation because I want the things that I'm grateful for to appreciate to grow in value and to really acknowledge and be grateful for that value that it's bringing into my life and new words will come in all the time where I start thinking, oh, I wonder what that word actually means. And I'll go and have a look at the etymology of it and I'll work out how it's come into our, you know, psyche. One of the ones that I loved that I learned through the archetypal life coaching is that if you think it, most people now talk about the challenges in your life, but challenge comes from the old, I'm challenging you to a duel where somebody would die. So it was about I'm going to fight you to the death. Whereas a problem is to throw out a question to which you know there's an answer. And so I'm like, ooh, so now I will use problem a lot more than I'll use challenge because I think I don't want anyone to die in this. I love that because I, I guess like I have actually edited out problem and put challenge in because I, I'm someone that's good to rise to a challenge. But um yeah, maybe I need to rethink yeah. that myself. So. And again, it depends on how things sit with you and how you resonate with those words as well. You know, even for me, understanding, I sort of think, well, I want to come to a, you know, I don't want to be standing under anybody. So I sort of think of it in that term as well. So when I talk about understanding, I want to be really careful. But it's just different words that come in at different times. And 
that especially as my awareness or spirituality kind of increases what does that vibration feel like in my body when i speak about that now i know that you speak a lot about you know not just working on that physical body how important has it been in your journey to tie in that holistic health because you know we did joke before that your website should say something like should be dead i'm not <laughs> um, and you know you've yeah. been able to use your own skills to help inform your health journey along the way so how does that tie in yeah great question complex question <laughs> um i mean my strong firm belief is that we're mind body spirit like it's and and i i guess that's kind of a theme that that works its way through many different religions and communities and customs if it were just about eating well we, well, should I say we wouldn't have the same level of disease? We probably would because the food these days is, is kind of quite crap. And I've, I've actually gone from now just kind of saying big pharma to big food, big pharma, because um, there, there's really not much of a line anymore. Um, and that's a massive conversation <laughs> the other day. And one of my passions, actually, because I, I think that there are so many things that, that we're eating that is actually poisoning us and, and people are, are blissfully unaware. You always do need to look after the physical because that's your vehicle, right? So if your vehicle kind of is breaking down and you're not servicing it, then you're not going to get from point A to point B. So it's it's still vitally important to do that. But our body is kind of, well, we are energy, right? Like every single thing in us is energy. If you even just look down at a kind of microscopic level, even science backs it up because our mitochondria is putting out an electron transport chain that's kind of giving us energy in our body. And so we are energy, we are frequency. And if we're looking at energy and frequency, that's where we're getting into kind of spiritual and emotional and all of those sorts of things. And so to kind of vibrate with that frequency, we kind of we need to encompass it all. We can't we can't just kind of you know pop a pill and and kind of you know pop a vitamin and hope for the best. It's it really needs to be all of it. So I'm just trying to remember where I would have got into that kind of stuff. I think again, it's something that I always kind of used to access even as a teenager, reading up on on kind of energy and things like that. Um, um, hmm, it's actually a really good question. I'm trying to remember when I started to bring that really committedly into what I was doing. I mean, I, I think if I think back at uni, we did a lot of homeopathy and flower essences and things like that, which are very kind of emotional, vibrational treatments. Acupuncture itself is is kind of a, a vibrational, energetic treatment as well. They just there's a Korean group that have just proved that meridians exist. They never image them. Yeah, there's actually a couple of science papers that have been released in the last little while, which is very exciting. Um, yeah, I've lost track of the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. It was about that mind, body, spirit, and how that's helped you on that journey. Because obviously, you've you know part of what you've helped yourself with those skills from is is your own health because you know you've had your challenges and how accessing all of those different aspects i guess have have helped you along that way yeah i mean i think i started like a lot of other people do with kind of bringing in meditation and things like that and and i and, and look meditation is fantastic and i still set that as homework for a lot of people uh for me it wasn't deep enough and it wasn't until I started to delve into a few other bits and pieces that kind of helped for me. I mean, being a perfectionist, I would be the person who just kind of, you know, I am going to be good at meditation. And so therefore it wasn't. Uh, so, but yeah, reading a few different books, doing a few different things. Um, I think I went and saw a kinesiologist at some point uh and NET as well so I definitely did NET before I did kinesiology which of course is where I met you we were in the same class together <laughs> kinesiology um and just I think it's just like a learning process like you kind of we're all big onions and so you kind of learn you take off one layer you do one energetic layer you realize the next thing underneath and having kind of all of those epiphanies so I've I've had a lot of traumas in my life and a lot of a lot of kind of very negative um experiences I guess I should say and 
it just wasn't clearing without delving into something else. And so rather than kind of sitting in the space of going, right, I should be on antidepressants, which of course were offered to me from uh, my doctor, I thought, no, like it's, I'm, I'm not depressed. I'm trying to kind of do something with all of this giant trauma that I've got here that I actually just don't know what to do with. Like it's just kind of sitting there. Like how do I address it? I, I talked to a psychologist and I thought, well, I'm talking about it. It's not helping me. In fact, it felt like it was really traumatising me. And I thought there's got to be a way to to release that trauma. I mean, I, I said before, we will always be the sum of all of our experiences. But as we go through life, we get tools to deal with it when we have to kind of, or when we are taken back to sit in that trauma space. And so, yeah, it was just a natural progression for me, kind of going through and, and seeing and doing all those sorts of things and getting really interested in it. I mean, I've done, I'm a hypnotist, an NLP master practitioner, NET, um, kinesiology, after a few other kind of interesting bits and pieces. And so I kind of bring that in with my patients and, and I, I'm always kind of sitting and, and trying to go, well, where's this person at? What, what simple thing can help them to unlock and release some of this kind of space? So it just felt like a natural progression, just mm -hmm. starting to kind of bring it in um, after I'd experienced some really good shifts myself. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's... Yeah, and I think that is the way. I always say that as much as I'd been, I guess, spiritually curious for quite some time, it kept getting shut down and shut down and shut down because that's not what good Christian girls do um, because that was occult and all of these sorts oh, of, yeah. you know, dancing <laughs> with the devil type things. And although I'd been delving into it for a couple of years before I found kinesiology, kinesiology was really the doorway that allowed me to fully step into that world. And it was your much, gateway drug. It was my gateway <laughs> drug to really dive in deeply. Um, and I think we all kind of find one of those where we dabble in it a bit first and then we start yeah. realising the power of actually shifting the vibrational frequency of the traumas that we're carrying so that we can get to the next layer and the next layer and the next layer. Yeah. And the only thing that sometimes annoys me is that there is no end to the onion. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I agree. And I, I mean, sometimes it's not so much that it annoys me, sometimes it just makes me tired. Yeah, <laughs> tired's probably a better word. Right. Um, yeah, I think if we were thinking like the gateway drug, um, for me it was probably, and I'd, I'd gone and studied a bit of that, which is in a lot of ways similar to kinesiology um, and it's more of a kind of chiropractic method and uh, they started offering it to naturopaths and and I, I went and did some work there gosh a really long time ago now and yeah it was it was good it was kind of it was a simple version of kinesiology and um, obviously what we learned was a lot more complex and you've gone on to do a lot more study than I did with the kinesiology so yours has gotten even more complex but um, I've done the NLP after that and I kind of, there's facets of that that I really love now as well and I, I do a bit of kind of timeline work with my patients and I actually found that to be very pivotal to some shifts that I had had by doing um, what's called the, like a breakthrough where you do very long kind of intensive days of timeline and work. And um, and I, I actually will say that that, that had completely shifted some of my my triggers so mm. oh I, I saw this thing the other day and I'm I'm absolutely in love with it um so you know like we, we all talk about triggers and I, I hear people say trigger all the time and I saw um the new concept of glimmer and yes I, like, I love that, that. <laughs> I love that and so um like I I kind of get out down to the beach and and swim more oh no I'm all frozen in the most flattering swimming and walking the dog first thing in the morning and and I I do the glimmer thing but now I've got a word for it and I um I love it I think it's such a marvelous thing 
finding a word for it was really magical for me as well because again it's that reticular activating system you know part of the brain where we're so used to being programmed towards the negativity and i noticed the more of my traumas i cleared and the more of that you know somatic held stuff that was released from my body the more i would naturally start looking for more magic and wonder and awe and beauty and looking for the good stuff in life rather than you know the less than good stuff and yeah finding that word was really exciting for me too because talking (laughs) about triggers and activations all the time is like oh it's good but can we start focusing on something else so yeah and there's something kind of like sparkly about the word which i really like as well so um yeah I'm, i'm enjoying using that and so every time i kind of something happens and i'm like oh i'm triggered I'm like, yeah, but what's my glimmer? (laughs) It's a nice kind of balance there, yeah. Oh, definitely. (laughs) I love that. I really, really do. So when you're looking at, you know, obviously the work that you're doing now, where do you see it developing? I know that you've got a couple of exciting things in the pipeline. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. Love clinical practice, and I think I will always be in clinical practice because I do love that kind of one-on-one aspect. I'm at the moment putting together uh, some some kind of course type things, and uh, I'm working on my energy course at the moment called Exhausted to Unstoppable, and I'm loving it. It's so far I'm I'm really proud of it, and I just think it's going to have so much value for so many people. So it's kind of reflective of a lot of the journey that I've been through. Uh, my health journey has been quite spectacular. <laughs> and I, as you said before, should be dead. Um, I was yeah. told I was going to die. So it was spectacular. And I, obviously, I don't think that that it's just for people that have been through something that I've been through. But um, after being through, through my stuff, my energy was so bad, I... I literally, like my pain, my energy, everything was just monstrous. And I, I really struggled to kind of get through the day. So I ended up having to do a lot of deep diving into how to get my energy back, how to reset myself, how to kind of go through all of that type of picture. Lucky for me, menopause came along at around the same time because I didn't have enough to deal with back then. <laughs> <laughs> those other things that happen in menopause like suddenly losing your kind of metabolic flexibility and um, not being able to sleep and all of those sorts of things came crashing in on top of what I was already dealing with so put on about 15 kilos struggled to get out of bed my stress levels went up again you know I was getting pain from all of that kind of um, autoimmune disease that I was dealing with and I learned a lot of good lessons I made a lot of mistakes which for me, I mean, is actually fantastic because the people who come and do this course with me, hey, I made all the mistakes, so you don't need to. <laughs> That's what I say. I can now reverse engineer because I did it the hard way. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I actually think that wherever my soul was kind of sitting between this life and the last one, I must have looked at the contract and gone, what if, <laughs> what if I do 20 lives worth of bullshit in this next life and then skip on to something really good after that. And they were like, do you really want to? Yeah, I think I do. And then I like signed off on it. And then that's probably why I cried for the sort of six months when I was born. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what was I doing? What was I thinking? <laughs> I often say that. I think they slipped it under my nose when I was distracted up there and I just signed. And it wasn't until I actually became a human. I was like, what did I sign up for? <laughs> As I say, if if you've got a trauma, you know, T-shirt, I've probably got one similar size, similar style. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I've been through most of them. Yeah, same. I, I've collected quite a, a few uh, things. And, and these days I'm kind of like, you know what, universe, I think I've experienced enough of them now to just get the general idea. I think I've got the knowledge that I can just apply to to everything now so you could probably stop handing me things to do <laughs> yeah when does that ease and grace come in um <laughs> sure it's about due <laughs> oh gosh um it must be after minute <laughs> 
Oh, don't tell me that. I've got a couple of years to go. Yeah. Oh, mate, I, I tell you what, like I, menopause, even though I have treated people for years and been around it and all of that kind of stuff, when you actually go into it yourself, like I actually felt like I should ring up all of the women for the last 20 years and go, shit, sorry. Like, I didn't realize I was that bad. It's actually monstrous. And look, occasionally I'll get women that are like, oh, I just sailed through it. And, and I'm like, not my people. <laughs> I don't have that t shirt. It, it, it is actually not fun. Um, mm manageable and and again I'm learning a lot about um about menopause and the practical aspects of it and what herbs work for me and what herbs don't work for me and all of those sorts of things um but it's I guess it it is from a non-joking point of view a, a very pivotal kind of life change and so not only is your body doing some very surprising and weird things <laughs> And really, really, I'm I'm not joking about that. <laughs> um, there's also what kind of caught me off guard with it was in our society we don't value the older woman, mm. and so there there are times within that menopause journey where all of a sudden there are moments you feel old, and and I'm like, wow, I, I don't know if I'm ready to be old yet, and it's it's very interesting because. In other kind of communities and in other times, we've we've valued the, mm. the crone. Not that I'm ready to call myself a crone yet, but you know we've valued the older woman, but not in a Western world. And so there's that kind of aspect of you can almost become invisible, and that has been a little bit kind of an interesting journey as well. And it's it's not just something that I kind of have gone through at times, but I see it in patients as well, mm. and. Um, Yes, it's it's interesting, and it's it's a it's a time of great change, as it should be. I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, the the grand finale of our home. <laughs> well, one of the lovely things that I've been taught by one of my beautiful mentors is that there's now that fourth stage of womanhood, which a lot of people still go to the triple goddess, the the maiden mother crone. But because we're now living so much longer, there's a long time between finishing that mother stage and really getting to crone. And what they're calling it now is Marga. And Marga's like a community mother. So that's where you take all of your wisdom and instead of funneling it into, you know, whatever the equivalent of your children are, whether they be human physical beings or your business or, you know, your creative pursuits, whatever it is that you are mothering, you then take it further out into the community. And so I find it really interesting that this is the time where groups are really coming in for you because that is you stepping, you know, in this postmenopausal world or menopausal world into bringing that lived wisdom as well as your you know physical pieces of paper and the knowledge that you've collected but really bringing that live, lived wisdom out into the community and out into the world and and i really love that idea i think it gives because again the closer i'm getting to i guess when you think about the triple goddess getting to that crone stage especially with my children you know coming to the end of high school and one of them's going to be off next year and you know, I'm in that crazy kind of stage myself, it's, it feels nicer to think about doing the community mother, the Marga role and yeah. leaving crone for a little bit. Yeah, no, I love that. I actually haven't heard of that one before and I'm, I'm so used to that kind of triple goddess um, concept. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like that. And and you're right, like I, I think we live so much longer now. Yeah. <laughs> We can't be a crone for like 50 years, right? <laughs> no, we can't do that for half our life. And the way I look at it, and, and this is just for me, is the MAGA part is about where we are still able and active to go out to the community. The crone becomes where the community mm. comes to us. Yeah. That's my yeah. little, that's my interpretation of it. No, anyway. I love that. I love so. that. I think, I think that's great. Like it's, it really it makes a lot of sense and it feels kind of right so mm. um, something that so like you're that. entering marga phase and i like the name too <laughs> i think that there's something nice about that so I, I didn't read the other day um that that my um my generation uh it was like a little meme and it said um so my generation was the first to kind of feel the age of 30 at, at the age of 10 
and now we're in our 50s, we still feel 30. And I was like, yes, it's so true. Like, you know, sometimes I'm talking to my receptionists who are in their kind of 20s and 30s and I, I don't feel much older than they are. And I'm like, wow, it's such a an interesting kind of headspace to be in. Um, and so, yes, I, I do think, and I think because like we grew up in that generation where, you know, like our parents were kind of, you know, drinking or whatever and, and we were like, you know, just leave the house, come back <laughs> with the straight lines. And so we did kind of have that adulthood thrust upon us um, during that time. So, uh, yeah, anyways, interesting sidebar. <laughs> no, and but I think that's a really important part is because, you know, we we do tend to, I, I feel like we've had that that best of both worlds in so many ways in terms of the way that we grew up and then, you know, the way that we're aging as well. I look at photos of my mother or my grandmother at my age and they look a lot older, you know, it was the short perms, it was the, it was that look that really kind of aged people. Yes. And now, you know, you look at some of the famous ladies in their 60s and even into their 70s and you're like holy hell I hope I age like that yeah yeah that's right that's right so so I think we've kind of we have uh won the jackpot a little bit yeah look I I do feel blessed to have been born in the time that I was born in I mean I I think we got to enjoy a childhood without phones right Mm. so we actually in a funny way we're forced to connect with with our surrounds and for me and I grew up in in Hobart and it was kind of like a country town in the 70s <laughs> so you know we would be in the garden and we you know perpetually have well I was a tomboy so perpetually had skinned knees and kind of twigs in my hair and all that kind of stuff yep. um but yeah like it, it was it was great and I, I remember kind of bitching and moaning when my dad would make us go for bushwalks and now what do I do for fun I camp and I go for bushwalks <laughs> and so it's it's kind of like a full circle and I do feel very very lucky that we got to experience that in a time where there was so much kind of possibility um I think we're we're in a little bit of a funny time now and I I have quite a lot of really beautiful younger patients that are struggling mentally and and trying to find their kind of way in the world and I think it's a little more confusing now we've become very much a global community which is terrific in some ways but then we're also kind of shouldering the burden of so many things that we really don't need to to know about like one of the first things I do is ban people from watching the news so um because realistically like what are you going to do about bad news from the other side of the world or even from another state like I don't watch the news myself I came into a room that day it was on and it was horrendous and I thought wow why do I need to know that there's been a car accident and a this and a that and having an emotional response to that and then what am I going to do? How am I going to action that? How am I going to throw off that that kind of feeling? I'm just going to get left with that kind of like uh, feeling. And I think that the children now have a lot more of that kind of input. Like it's just such a constant kind of feed of, of bad news and, and really lack of connection. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I kind of feel for them in that space. So Yes, I feel very lucky to have been able to experience time that I grew up in. I love that you mentioned that about things like the news because I literally just had that conversation with my partner on the way back from the beach because he was telling me about something that was happening in China or whatever. And I said, this is why I don't turn it on. This is why I don't want to know. And this is why sometimes when you're talking to me about it, I shut down the conversation it's not because i don't want to hear you speak about things that are in mm. you're interested in but what happens to me is i feel my vibration lowering and matching that low vibration and i don't want to be there because my what i want to be doing is uplifting the people that i touch that i come into contact with that mm you know, that cross my path, even if it is just the people I smile at on the beach or give a hello to, I want to be in that higher vibration state and hearing all of that stuff really does mm. have a physical effect on me. Oh, 100%, 100%. And look, I, I remember doing a seminar, God, I think it was probably even about 20 years ago, because like, can you imagine how different the data for this would be now? And one of the things they were pointing out is that um, 
compared to somebody in like 1920, we get in one day the amount of news they would have had in a year. And I'm like, huh, that's actually really full on. And so if you think about that over a kind of longer thing, we're dealing with what somebody would deal with in a lifetime probably in about 12 months my math isn't great but so go with me in that kind of you know theory um but we're just having to process way too much stuff and it's not all important to us but it's been made to be important to us and that whole thing's the same way as kind of horror movies sell it triggers emotion and those amygdala emotions that we were touching on before with the kind of sadness and the anger and the fear they're so primal and they're the ones that will trigger first because they're designed to keep us safe and so therefore you know when you watch a horror movie and you're getting that response and you're going to feel that kind of rise up of all of your stress hormones it's a very real physical response and it makes you feel something and so for some people, it can get a little bit addictive because they're like, oh, I can feel that. It's amazing. But do we really want to sit in that space all the time? And like I remember, oh, and I would be making up the time, but maybe 10 years ago or whatever it was, they started to advertise the news. So mm. you would actually see the ads in between TV shows about the news. You would see buses go past advertising the news. And it's like, oh, well, if you're advertising the news, it now becomes a product. And yeah. so if it's a product, what are we really buying? Yeah. And often the news is is quite interpretive as well. And so if we know what we know about kind of making people hooked into something, we want to kind of interpret it so that it's alarmist. Do you remember like um, years ago there was the terror alert? And yes. so they'd be like, the terror alert tonight is... And it, it, it's this high and it's kind of like, well, that's all just interpretation and subjective. That's not factual. Yeah. And did it all come through? Like when we were having the terror alerts for Melbourne, like it, it just nothing kind of happened. And yet we all sat in a space mm-hmm. of, of kind of with, with this, with that amygdala triggering. And the more the amygdala triggers, the more we are in fight or flight and we can't achieve that rest and digest. And so yeah. From a physical point of view, it's going to screw us over and create burnout. And from an emotional, spiritual point of view, we're we're unable to kind of achieve that higher kind of learning and thought and connection with the more positive emotions. And so it's it's just not where you want to be. So so yes. I love that. And and I I'm much the same. I think, you know, the more we can kind of stay in our energetic alignment the the better we are physically mentally emotionally spiritually Mm. on literally every single level and i know you know even when i've come in from a long day and my partner will have the news on i will put headphones in and walk out the room and he'll be like okay change the channel (laughs) he feels (laughs) it but i i just won't allow it in anymore because and that's why i shut the conversations down because you don't want to be constantly in that state and once you're in it it can be so hard to shift out of it and and yes. that's that's exactly what um you know i'm certainly hearing you you say from that which makes so much sense for me mm-hmm. so i know you've touched on this a little bit but talk to me what's your understanding of spirituality <laughs> big question um wow i mean i i think i think ultimately we are all a spirit in a body right so and i would actually say we're a spirit in a body rather than a body with a spirit and mm-hmm. so i and and again this is my personal belief i kind of lend more weight to the fact that we're a, a kind of spirit in a body and so really from that point of view i my belief is that you've got to do the best you can to have a very careful way i say this to improve yourself i mean it's mm. and, and that's not implying that you need to be fixed that's just yeah. kind of saying and that, it goes back a little bit to the news as well it can be very easy to sit in a space of overwhelm and going there is too much shit going on on this planet and especially right now and i think you know this is what i'm seeing in some of these teenagers that i'm treating where it's just there is just too much like we've mm. got emotional crises we've had this whole covid thing which was diabolical for mental health we've got like just so many like wars all of that kind of stuff and it's very disempowering you literally can't do anything 
to solve them all. So bring it back to what can you do? And so from my point of view, what we can do is develop a spiritual aspect, develop our emotion, develop our, our energetic output, because whilst we can't kind of go over and change what's going on in Ukraine or any of those sorts of things, we can put out a ripple effect of doing the best we can. And so from that point of view, again, that goes to some of my spiritual beliefs, leave everyone better than how you found them leave your environment better than how you found it do your best to kind of not squander resources do your best to kind of keep that vibrational frequency high and mind you that doesn't mean that you've got to go around being happy clappy all the time either it just means that you've got to do your best to continue to to vibrate on a higher frequency and my belief is that if more of us worked on that higher frequency it would then put out a ripple effect and would start to have change because, I mean, have a look, for example, and, and this is, I guess, kind of a, a, an example. If I'm out in traffic and someone cuts me off and I, you know, start screaming and yelling at that person and getting angry and they pull up next to me the red lights and they're screaming and yelling back at me, what's the energy output that mm. we're doing there? What's the spiritual frequency that's happening? It's stuck in that amygdala reactivity, fight or flight, negative emotions. But if I kind of go, oh, bless that person, like maybe he's, maybe his wife's gone into labour and he's on his way to the hospital or, you know, maybe he's had a really shitty day or, you know, whatever the case may be. Or maybe be. like when I do it, he's just not paying attention and didn't even see me. <laughs> <laughs> and so then maybe if I kind of try and sit in a space of, oh, poor bugger, well, I'll, I'll yeah. let him in and let that go then that's changed that kind of environment, mm. right? And so yeah. if I treat that person with loving kindness in that moment and then try to also sit in a space for myself of non-reactivity or forgive myself for wanting to react, <laughs> then ultimately I'm going to have a better day. That person's going to have a better day and everyone we come in contact with after that's going to have a better day. Mm. And so that's kind of what I mean by if we just all continue to stay responsible for for ourselves and our vibrational output and and this is not about goodism either because no. you know, there is that whole aspect where we can get too much into having to be good and perfect and oh, perfect again <laughs> but it, it's just about kind of going all right like how can I leave this better than when I found it Yep. And, and if I can't, how can I make amends or how can I change it next time? Or how can I recognize yep. that behavior coming in? Because as you say, it's not just all about love and light and happy clappy. We also need to accept there's shadows and shit in life as well. Exactly and right. if we can be more accommodating, more compassionate, more kind to ourselves and others in those moments, then as you say, that entire frequency changes yeah. because even in the tumultuousness, even in that shit that happens we're going okay how can I do this differently exactly right and look you know I'm not saying that I get it right every time no. like I can be reactive as well if I'm having a shitty day or if I'm in pain or whatever but I really try to and and I also kind of try to not 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 allow myself to experience mm. that because I, I think if if I'm sitting in a negative space or have a negative reaction, I'm more curious about why. Yeah. Like why is that happening? And so I allow myself to feel it because my belief is that if we squash the emotion, then the body holds on to it because that whole mind-body thing, like they're all the same, right? Like yeah. it's just that we we kind of it's the languaging where we can separate out the sections. Mm -hmm. But like my way of thinking is that we do the thinking in the brain, we do the feeling in the body. So if I suppress the feeling in the body, at some point that's actually going to create more pain for me. Yeah. And so if I'm in an instance where I have a very negative response and reaction, then I'm like, oh, let yourself feel it. Like mm. fully let your body feel it. Fully let that kind of come to its crescendo of feeling. Don't act on it. Yeah. <laughs> that's often the key right yeah. feel it let it come to its conclusion and then kind of go okay what was that about yeah and I mean I had uh, something happen the other day where I've got a, a really awful neck injury and I had such terrible pain this day and I, I was like oh god like you know I must have slept wrong or blah 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 whatever it was 
and I was doing a little bit of energetic work on myself and the reason for the pain popped up and I was kind of like oh right and so once I kind of connected the dots and felt it some of that space lessened and so yeah, I'm getting a bit off track again. I get off track. No, but it's not, it's not because what you what you're actually addressing is that you know what the podcast is called that divine messy humanness. It's mm-hmm. things will get messy. Things will get, um, you know, get out of kilter. And it's how do I bring that back? How do I go within myself for the answer first and try not to emotionally vomit over everybody else? It's having the when I think about responsibility, it's having the ability to respond in a much healthier, more productive way to what is going on and what is thrown at us. And so I don't think it was off track at all. It was it was it was that good explanation of we are human and we have to acknowledge, accept and have kindness for that human self who is here to experience a 3D reality, who has experienced contrast and the good and the bad and the right and the wrong and the ugly and the painful and all of the stuff. And how do we take all of that and transform and transmute it into something that isn't damaging? Mm, mm. And I think that's it's beautiful because it, it shows that completeness of who and what we are. Mm. Yeah, it, it goes back to, I, I think, um, and often when I'm doing some emotional work with my patients and it, so many people are so like, oh, why did I get it wrong? And it's like, there is no right or wrong. It's emotional reality. And it's it's emotional reality and how you interpret that, how that works for you, what it means for you. Mm. And every which means everything is right, right? Like, and so yes. that makes it hard <laughs> when people are having a kind of argument or discussion because actually everybody is right. It's what we need to attend to is is our impact on those around us. Um, while we're interpreting what that emotion is. But, um, but yeah, everything, yeah. emotional reality, everything's right. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. And that's probably a great place to end. What I would like you to do, though, is let everybody know how they can find you. Uh, yes, again, very good question. I have a um, website. <laughs> I am the worst for, uh, for pushing my own. Mind Your Health Solutions is my business. So it's the mind your health. So it's it's your health, but it's it's working on that mind kind of energy spirit aspect. So mind your health um, solutions. I think it's dot com dot au. That's all right. You can send it to me, and we'll put it in the notes. I will send it to you. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't really hang out as much as I probably should, but I do hang out a little bit on my Instagram account, which is um, I think it's Indra Share at Mind Your Health Solutions. I will send you that as well. Um, they're probably the two best places to connect with me. And certainly if you sent me a message on the Instagram account, then um, then I would get an alert and I'd be able to respond to that if you needed to ask me anything. And um, I will be on LinkedIn soon. <laughs> Just haven't been yet. I'm, I'm not very good at being a grown-up. <laughs> It is the hardest part of running a business, I must say, is constantly being out and doing that. So, yeah, I completely get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and look, I do practice in Mooney Ponds as well, Mooney Ponds Natural Health Clinic. So I do some one-on-ones there, um, but the exciting thing that's going to be coming out is my Exhausted to Unstoppable yes. program. So yes, I'm very, very excited for that. And that's you'll find the information for that on the online. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. And you. <laughs> Thank you, my lovely. You too. And um, it's been fun. I've kind of I've forgotten that we're talking to a broader community because um, I, I don't know. I always think of you as the person that I should never sit next to in class. In <laughs> which I think we've oh, so uh, got in trouble for a few times. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If this podcast resonates with you, please follow, like, share and review so that we can get this message to as many divine souls as possible. Never forget that you have all the answers within you. You are God's source made human and sovereignty and abundance are your birthright. If you can imagine it, you can make it manifest in this physical reality. Huge love until next time.